We're going to pray now before we sing the second congregational song for the offering. They're going to take up the offering as we're singing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to be in church today. Thank you. Romans chapter 12, I'm going to do my very best. To, uh, we'll actually pick up in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. We'll just move back a couple of verses, but, but uh, we'll f- I'm going to present this quickly because we do have a business meeting after Apologize the uh, the of course the audio on it we're just uh, we're not that tech savvy we don't have that great of equipment but but uh, but hopefully you that uh, you you were able to to gather the whole uh, meaning of the the little activity that they were doing I thought the kids did a great job didn't you they did a, did a great job and 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 two the the young people the the bus riders they got excited about it we had a big crowd and they started getting more and more excited as you can see them going along and so it was really good and then of course I, as i said before seven of them got saved as it was all said and done so that was wonderful now if you look at Romans chapter 11 Romans chapter 11 verse 33 it says oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of god How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. And And then chapter 12 says, I beseech you, therefore... Brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you bless tonight. Holy Spirit, I yield myself to thee. Time is short, so I pray that you give me clarity of mind and help me to, to say this quickly but clearly, Lord. And I can only do that with your strength and with your power. And I ask you, please, guide me as I yield to thee. In Jesus' name, amen. All through history, uh, there have been men and women that were extremely wise, extremely intelligent. And those two things don't, normally go to, don't necessarily go together. But all of them were, were and are comparable to someone else. And in this comparison, they rank to some extent greater or lesser than those that are being compared to. You can go and look, look and they'll give you in the, uh, a list of uh, the smartest men that have uh, ever lived. And, and uh, most of them on the list, uh, they ha- and how they know this of some of the older ones, how they were able to figure this out, I don't know. But they say that they, maybe they had a... Um, a uh, IQ of over 200, that several of these, or maybe all of these men, uh, had an IQ of over 200. Uh, and it gives that list, and I'm not going to take time to go through that list, but you know, some, some of the people throughout history that you'd probably think of would be on that list. But, but uh, these, these are all based on this, this IQ, this, uh, this intelligence quotient that they somehow come up with. But, but here's what Scripture tells us. It says in verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. All the men of history, they're compared to somebody, and somehow they rank compared to other people. But when you're talking about God, there's no comparison. There's no starting place. There's no finishing place. It's unlimited. There's no comparison. 
And it says, oh, the depth, the depth of the wisdom and knowledge of God is, 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 is in a sense, you know, it's a, the term we don't normally use this way, but like a bottomless pit. It's endless, this depth, this depth. He says, oh, the depth, that, that little term, that little letter, oh, it's, it's, it's a, an exclamation. And he's saying, oh, what are you saying? He's saying, wow, unbelievable, unimaginable, incomprehensible is the depth of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And, and, and I don't have time to get, you can't even explain it, but God is so far above us, there is no comparison to us. There, there, there is no comparison. It can be no. You can say, well, you're, you're a microscopic uh, to God's intelligence. No, you're not, because it's even past that. Yeah, right. it go, we go into oblivion and continue to go into oblivion because his intelligence never finds a stopping place. His knowledge never ends. It continues to go on. His wisdom is beyond anything that we could even comprehend. That's why it's so silly for man to think, some, when they look at it and say, I don't understand why God, you know, no, we don't understand why God does anything. We may think we do, but we don't. Now, the amazing, God has given us portions of his wisdom and knowledge in his book. Now, that's amazing in itself that God would write down for man portions of his wisdom. Do you understand how, again, they say just the acts of Jesus you couldn't hold in the volumes. You couldn't, the world couldn't hold the volumes of what, what all Jesus said. Can you imagine the wisdom and knowledge of God? And this is what he gave us. And you say, why did he give us so little if he, if he has his infinite? Well, first of all, number one, at this infinite mind of God, did you know that he could place in this an infinite amount of wisdom and knowledge? This is endless. This book's alive. It will never, you can read it and read it and read it and, and, and reread it. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to learn something different every time. You're going to learn something more every time. You're going to grow a little bit more every time because this incredible God was able to put his mind, his heart, his infinite, uh, infinity into this book so that we could grasp little bitty bits by bits. Because we can't take much of it. I said this recently. If God poured all of it out on you, you know, our head would explode. We just we couldn't take it. Now... Who can understand him? Who can reason and counsel him? Who has given uh, to God to help God out? That's what the scripture is saying. He's saying that the scripture is talking to us, the passage we just read. Who can understand God? Who can reason with God? Who can counsel God? Who can give to God and help God out, make his situation better? No one. No one can and ever will be able to, to for God already knows uh, everything. God already understands everything. There's no lesson for him to learn. He knows all. He is all. He can do all. And he leaves verse 36. If you look at verse 36, it's for, for of him and through him and to him are all things. That's, all, that's inclusive, isn't it? It's all things. For, for of him and through him and to him are all things. And why? To him be the glory. God says, it's all about me. Did you know that it's all about, it's not about us, it's about him. He even says it's all about him. And you know what? It's okay for God to say it's all about him. It's never okay for a human being to say it's all about me. But it's okay for God to say it's all about him. God does not need my advice or my counsel or my understanding. He doesn't need my agreement either. 
then here's a good question. Then why are we here? Why are we here? What does God expect of me? What does God want from me? And that brings us to Romans 12. Look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. You say, well, why are we even here? After God says all of this, and he says how unlimited he is, he says, I don't need your counsel. I don't need your help. I, you know, my wisdom and my knowledge is above everything that you could even begin to comprehend. It's so far above you. You know why it's so far above you? Because it's endless above you, endlessly above you. He says, no, but there's something I want from you. He said, because... I am all in all, and because I have all wisdom and all knowledge, and because everything that is, as you remember, for of him, through him, and to him are all things. He said, it's all about me, so here's what I want you to do for me. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen to me, this is very important, and it's a short time to do it, but, but God begs us, therefore. You see, it says, it says, I beseech you, therefore. He begs us, therefore, because God is everything, all wise, all knowing, all powerful, and needs no help or guidance from anyone. He then begs us that we, by the heart and compassion and pity of God, that we each present our bodies a living sacrifice to God. This sacrifice must be, this, be as the sacrifice of, of old, of the Old Testament, an unblemished sacrifice. God wants us to come to him in humble, sincere submission, for only then is our sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God. He wants us to submit to his supremacy. He wants us to submit to his perfection, to his wisdom, to his knowledge. Submit our bodies a living sacrifice. This is not a death sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. He desires that we live for him, submitted to his will and his way. And this is the only reasonable service since he is God. No matter what we think we know, no matter our wisdom, it is only reasonable that we submit to God. I'll give you a, a just a very condensed version, and I may go over it a little bit more when we get to this in the Wednesday night, but, but uh, uh, this, this is a story that probably none of you have heard before, but, but in, in uh, 1978 when we got married, my wife uh, had an illness. And there was medication that she had to take because of that, that illness. And is it all right to say what that is, Jobel? Okay. My wife has ep epilepsy. And, and uh, at the time, she was uh, dealing with pedimol seizures and, and, uh, and beginning, the beginnings of grand mal seizures. And because of the medication, the doctors warned us and told us that to have children, that they would be deformed, that the cleft palate and all this. And so they, the doctors counseled us not to, to really to have children. This little lady down here began to read and to beg God as to what God would have us to do. These verses in Romans 12, 1 and 2 became her life verses. She came to me and said that the Lord has spoken to her heart, and she read this to me. I'm not sure I'd ever read it before. 
she showed it to me, I, and I wish I had, wish I could say I'd read through the Bible, but I hadn't, and I, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And she said, I believe God wants me to give my body to him to have children. And she chose in 1978 to, to say, regardless of the dangers, regardless of the danger to her, regardless of the danger to, to the babies, the, we, we were going to have, she was going to give her body to God and we would have children. That'd be Lord's willing. She was going to conform to God's will, not to hers. In 1979, the truth is, my wife almost died in childbirth as she went through about eight hours of grand mal seizures. But in 1970, September the 18th, 1979, a little girl was born. And doctors had told us that we shouldn't have children, and bless God, God gave us six. Amen? It's only a reasonable service. This is only reasonable since He is God. No matter what we think we know, no matter our wisdom, it's only reasonable that we submit to God. Now how, here's the whole thing, how do we submit to God? You know, so much of the Bible, it, we read it and we see it, and we, but we don't understand God is not leaving us out here hanging. He's telling us what to do. He's telling us how to do it. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And he, he tells us how to present. He says, I, I want them, your body to be holy, to be acceptable unto God, which is a reason of service. But let, then he says, watch this, he tells us how to do it. He says, and be not conformed to this world. God says, if you want to give me your body, here's how you do it. You live for me by not conforming to the world. It's what he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world. God wants us to change. Listen to this now. God wants us to change the world, not let the world change us. How do we keep from being conformed to the world? God shows us by being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, God makes it so clear. Transformed is from the root word which, which we get the word metamorphosis. It's a, it's a complete change. God says that the way we are not conformed to the world is that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are, we are metamorphosized. We, we, are, we go through a metamorphosis. And you know what he does? By the renewing of your mind, that means changing every day to more like God. God says you're going to change completely, totally. How? Renew your mind to God. A renewing is making a new or a change for the better. Most creatures, the metamorphosis changes the body. When you read about metamorphosis, it always talks about, you know, the, you know, the butterfly and the transforming of the physical uh, attributes. The renewing of the mind you will, have an effect on, will have an effect on the body, but the real and continuous change that God is looking for in us is the renewing continually of our minds. 
God says every day you got to renew your mind. Every day you got to clean out your mind. Every day you've got to put in good into your mind. Whatever we let in the eyes, the ears, the mind changes us. Folks, please understand this. Grasp this, will you? Uh, that, that what you listen to changes you. What, you. what you watch changes you. What you read changes you. Uh, the conversations you have change you. The places you go change you. We've got to stop letting the world in and let God renew us. God says to stop the influence of the world and be completely changed by the renewing of your mind through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And I beg you, spend more time looking at this book. Spend more time. If you want to listen to something, and, and look, I got constant ringing in my ears. I spend my life with this noise. That's why I spend my life. And you know what? I like to listen to stuff. Anything, get total stuff. I like to have some. So guess what? Get up and listen to the Bible. We got technology. Use it for something good. Listen to the Word of God. Listen to the Word of God. Listen to, they even got the dramatized version. Okay? Uh, they get, listen to the Word of God. Let it renew your mind. We justify too much, folks. Too much of the world is just pumping into our heads and we wonder why we're struggling to be conformed to the image of God, Christ. Scripture says in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You know, we don't think of this very much, but I believe the washing, the regeneration is done. The renewing of the Holy Ghost is something he wants us to do every day, every day through the moment. We got, when, hey, look, when garbage comes in, clean it out now. That's renewing. When it, when it comes, the sounds come in, when the words come in, when you, the place at work, somebody says something filthy, don't dwell on it. There's a picture in the break room. Don't look at it, but if you've seen it, look away and wash it. From, renew your mind. Cleanse your mind. Wash your mind. Hey. Salvation and regeneration. Continual renewing by the Holy Ghost. So why does God need us? He needs all. He, he knows all. He can do all. Why does God need us? The answer is that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen to me now. God has a purpose for all of this. He's telling us in, in, in chapter 11, he said, look, I don't need your counsel. I don't need your guidance. I don't need your help. That's really what he's saying. So you're saying, well, why am I here? Because it's about God. And the answer is that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are the tool, the instrument that God uses to prove his, his good and acceptable and perfect will. We are the way he proves his will. We are the way that his will is, is lived out. Only man can live out the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Only man, no other creation can. We have the wonderful privilege and opportunity of proving God's will is perfect. We get to demonstrate to others and to God the perfect will of God. 
We get to prove to ourselves and others that God's will is good. It is well-pleasing and complete. And that's really what that terminology means. God has one creature among his creation that can, only, that can live out his perfect will by choice. He is the only one creature, that's man, that can live out his perfect will by choice, by choosing to constantly and continuously renew his mind in Christ. To continuously, daily, let the mind of Christ be in him. Throughout the life of of a man or a woman, we go through a form of metamorphosis of mind. From the child to adolescence, from adolescent to preteen to teen to young adult and to adult. Listen to this. The child is, and this is not absolute, just some thoughts. The child is consumed with self. You ever heard a little child, a little bit of guy say, mine, 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 mine? Every toy is theirs. Everything is there. The adolescent is consumed with play, play, play. The preteen is consumed with torturing his fellow preteen. And they call junior hires. The teen is consumed with experimentation and the opposite gender. The young adult today is consumed with his technology and his search for a mate. The adult is consumed with his career and his family. At any stage, listen to this, at any one of these stages, if God becomes real to them, there's an added ingredient. The reality of the word of God and prayer, thus the reality of the ability to renew your mind in Christ. You see, what happens then, it leads a little child to share. You say, would that really happen? You just, just watch sometimes. We've seen it in grandchildren where, where you think, okay, that's a little demon. This is a grandchild. And then you get this phone call that they've trusted Christ. And suddenly, mama and daddy are saying, this is a different kid. Do you know the Holy Spirit's just as real in a little one as they are, it is in us? It leads a little child to share. It leads the adolescent to memorize a scripture or ask for a Bible for Christmas. When all they wanted was toy, toy, toys, and all of a sudden out of their little lips come, they want a Bible. It leads the preteen to treat others with a dose of compassion. And let me tell you, that's salvation. It leads the teen to dedicate themselves to purity and abstinence. When the rest of the world is crazy, they say, I want to be pure for God. It leads the young adult to desire to serve the Lord and give. Give of himself, give of his life, give of his finance. It leads the adult to teaching his children and leading his family to follow God. All these will continue and much, much more if there is a continued effort toward renewing the mind, seeking again and again the mind of Christ. Now, I'm all done, but Brother Hooker, I understand that all, but, all this and you heard all this but here's what happens. We still struggle with renewing our mind. You know why? Because, because there is a TV, because there is the iPad, because there is the cell phone, because there is opportunity. There's people and there's play and there's things and there's games and there's video. Okay. It's so easy to get sidetracked from the movies, the games, the technology, the opposite gender, the desires, the career, even laziness. So what do we do? And this is all it is tonight. I'm going to give you two points. Not even really going to talk about them because they're just, they're simplistic in the art. 
Number one, if you want to renew your mind, as God said, that's really your purpose here on this earth. Did you understand that? He just said in, verse, in chapter 11, it's a terrible way to put it, but God was saying in those last few verses, do you understand? I don't need you. <laughs> He's saying, I, I know everything. I can do everything. I don't need your counsel. I don't need your wisdom. I don't need your knowledge. And then chapter 12, he says, what I need from you is to not let the world change you, but change, you need to change the world. And you begin by conforming to me. Don't conform to the world. Transform to me by the renewing of your mind. Become more like Christ. How? All right, how are we going to do that? Number one, have a plan of attack. Okay, here's, here's what happens. We live by whatever happens next. We just kind of live and go through, you know, one emergency to the next emergency. Emergencies dictate our life. And urgencies and emergencies, they di dictate our life. And, and crisis dictate our life. I used to say all the time, you know, it, it, especially with children, uh, little guys, you know, they just, they don't mess up a diaper on schedule. You understand that? Did anybody know that? I mean, they do it right when you're walking out the door. They'd, right when you sit down with your Bible, guess what? One of them's going to cry. One of them's going to hit the other one. One of them's going to knock something over and break something. It's where it, it, so you got to have a plan of when I'm going to do this that gives me the best opportunity. And can I tell you, probably your best opportunity is either really late at night when everybody goes to bed or really early in the morning before they get up. That's probably your best. Or on a lunch break at work when you're away from them, fellas. Now, ladies, I don't have any hope for you. But uh, <laughs> have a plan. Have some kind of plan. That means a Bible reading schedule. That means a prayer time. Not just I'm going to pray today, but a prayer time. Okay? A prayer place. Now, aim for nothing. You'll always hit it. So we got to have a plan. We got to have a target to shoot for and number two, and I'm done, we got to be done, make yourself accountable to someone who will sincerely hold you accountable. I'm going to beg you to do this. I do this for some already. I'm going to ask you simply this. I have some, I'm not going to say who or how or where, but, but I have some that, that write me, text me every day. And you know what they're texting me? That they're okay. No, they don't have to. They don't have to teach me. They don't have to say what they learned. I'm okay, and, I, and they know this. You know what that means? That means I read my Bible and I prayed. Have somebody. Have somebody, and listen. Just look. If I had 40 people tonight said, "Hey, can I text you and say that I did?" Fine, I will text you back and say, good, great. You know why? Because we need to be accountable because that helps us. Accountability breeds responsibility. Make yourself accountable. You say, they say, well, Hooker, you're, you know, I've been consistently praying such and such time. Then you're somebody that could be somebody that others could be accountable to. 
We got older folks in here that, that have been in church for a long time and have been walking with God for a long time and have a very consistent walk with God. You know who they are? They're the ones you need to go to and say, can I text you? Can I write you? Can I call you and just say, I read my Bible. I prayed. I'm renewing my mind today. And you could just sweat that. I'm renewing my mind. And we know what that means. We just got to know what that means. We got to discuss it. And know what that, does that make sense to you? I just want to help us. We've got to, to be what God wants us to be. We've got to do what he says to do. And he makes it real plain. He makes it real plain. He says, here's what I expect of you. I don't expect you to give me counsel. I don't expect you to, to come up and, and with all the wisdom and knowledge. He said, I already got that. Here's what I want from you. I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, how do I do that? Well, first of all, I'm presented holy. I'm presented acceptable unto God. And, and I understand this is just the starting place, the reasonable service. And, and even there, God, how do I present myself holy? And how do I present myself acceptable? Easy. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And why? And God says, because then you can prove to yourself and to others and to God what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus.